Now on Food FM, Arthur Potts Dawson is joined by Ben English, Operations Manager at Marfish. Arthur's Table on Food FM with your host, Arthur Potts Dawson. Uh, we are joined today by Ben English. Um, ben, you're going to talk to us all about fish. Ben, perhaps you'd like to introduce yourself and then we'll start talking about fish. My name's Ben English. I'm Operations Director for a company called Marfish, which predominantly are wholesalers to the hospitality industry. And uh, we now do home delivery. So um, my company has ownership in 60 fishing vessels up in Scotland. And we take the fish direct from there. And we like to sell it to people that just appreciate the quality that we have to offer. Fish is sometimes in some way it has to have quality, doesn't it? I mean, you know, people say, oh, fish, if it's not fresh, then I'm not buying it. So what is fresh fish? Because, I mean, obviously it, it, it's pulled out of the sea, but how long does it take to get to land? And then how long does it take from land to someone's plate? So in terms of quality, to be honest, it's a very subjective subject, but ultimately, really, it's, it's how you look after the product from the moment that it's caught through to the minute it makes the plate so and how it's treated along that way so fish that comes directly out of the water and is chilled to zero to two degrees um, immediately will you could you could potentially look after a piece of fish for as much as two weeks and and the french in many ways leave it you know things like dover soles they like to to leave that on the bone for, for three or four days before they'll even think about cooking it because it, they tend to feel that that adds flavour to it. Um, so really it is about how you look after the product and keeping it as chilled as possible in your fridge, um, whether that be at home or in a commercial fridge, um, that, that really maintains a quality level. Uh, yeah, well, it's interesting because Britain, you know, it, it's an island and it's, you know, if you're surrounded by sea, then you're surrounded by fish, if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. So what is it that makes Britain unique as a, as a fishing nation? Um, and once we discuss that, we'll talk about getting in a boat and pulling fish out of the water. But, but why is Britain such a unique place for fishing? I honestly, honestly believe it's, it's to do with the, the temperature and the depth of the water around the UK that makes it so special. You know, this really cold water gives the fish a unique flavour that you don't necessarily get from some of the warmer climates like the Mediterranean and, and the Indian Ocean. So I think actually, yeah, it's the cold water that really, really gives it something special. Yeah, cold water means it's pretty cold on the boat, right? So cold boats, uh, it, it, have you got to be pretty tough to be a fisherman? Uh, to be honest with you, I think it's a calling. You're either born into it and, and you embrace it or it's not for you. You know, I'm a, I'm a city slicker and there's no way in this world you get me on one of them vessels. They, uh, they are special people. It, it is known to be the most dangerous job in the UK and, and it is that for, for every reason. Every time these guys go out to sea, they are risking their life to bring us a bit of fish back. You know, I don't think they necessarily get the credit for it. I don't necessarily think they get paid anywhere near enough for doing that job, and, and they are special people. So we, we're surrounded by sea. Britain as an island, um, there's rivers, I mean, yeah, there's freshwater fish, but going out into the, the, the North Sea or the Atlantic, you know, right up in and around Norway and Iceland, I mean, off the north coast of Scotland, um, you know, you're talking about it being cold and deep. So what type of fish comes out of a cold, deep sea? Uh, to be honest, it's an extremely diverse fishery in the North Sea. Um, we, we've we counted 36 different species caught 
by our vessels in the UK. Um, and they're all very seasonal. There are some that are there all the way through the years. So things like cod, haddock, place, um, coley, pollock. They're there all the way through the UK, and then uh, so through the year. And then, uh, in, in addition to that, we get things like red mullet, turbots, halibuts, lemon soles, John Dorries, all of these things that you've probably heard of. And then some of the lesser-known species like uh, wolffish and gurnards and Safe. These things are, are all caught by our vessels, but but aren't necessarily commercially viable on a on a day to day basis. So they're pulled up by line or by net. Uh, tell me a little bit. Are, are any of your boats out line fishing, or is it all, all net caught? Yeah, there's four four different types of fisheries that operate out of the Scottish Peterhead port. Um, your line caught fishery predominantly look after uh, the mackerel species and that and that runs through the summer when the fish come in shore to shallower waters and the boats will go out of an evening and a morning and fish maybe for, for a couple of hours and then come back to port. And then you've got three real main types of trawlers that, uh, that operate. So uh, they all produce a different type of quality of, of product. When we talk about quality, we talk about the evasiveness of the, the, the fishing um, so you've got a single trawler that will go out, he'll fish between four and six hours at a time. Uh, one net pulled behind a boat. It's probably what we all envisage fishing to be like in the UK. You then get your pair trawlers. Now your pair trawlers work as a team. So they're two vessels that go out and they tow one net between the two boats. And uh, they will fish from, again, four to six hours. They can be a bit more selective about what they do. So the type of gear, and we call gear fishing nets, um, the type of gear that they use is a bit more selective and, and targeted with the species that they catch. Um, and then the final type is your same trawler. And really what they do is they literally will go out, they'll find a, a fish using fish finders, and they will go in a circle dropping a net and then the net will come alongside the boat and they will literally pluck the fish out of the water. So when you're looking at a haddock, for example, you know if a haddock's scuffed on its scales and hasn't got a lot of scales on it, you can generally say that's a single trawler. If uh, there's a few, few marks on the scales, then you'd probably say that's a pear trawler and it'll be slightly better quality. Um, and then you get your sane trawlers that when they come out of the water, it's like they are pristine condition landing and lined up like soldiers in a box and put onto the market and uh, real joy to be seen i can't wait for everyone listening to food fm to say well these are these been pulled up by a sane trawler no i can actually see that's just one single beam trawler and we were letting people i mean you gotta have a real good eye for understanding that i think that really shows how much of an eye you know professional fisheries do have you know you can see you can tell a bad fish from a good fish okay so britain is an island we've got uh, hundreds of different types of species and uh, we'll talk about some of the, the lesser known but just as delicious fish. But let's paint some romantic pictures of the olden days, you know, the British fleet going out, pulling in. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I know it used to be cod and chips, haddock and chips. You know, we're with a fish and chip nation. Tell us a little bit about cod uh, as, as a fish. They're big, aren't they? And, and they've got these big eyes and then they, they, they come up at different times to breed. And it's a very, very cold water. Um, cod liver, so they have different types of places that fish keep their uh, livers, uh, so their their oils, some in their flesh, some in their livers. Can you just tell us about the cod and, and why it's so synonymous with, with our fish and chips and, and, and why we fished it so well for, so, for, for centuries? Yeah, I think uh, 
you know, it was it was just a sheer volume that we used to catch of, of cod. Um, if you go back to the, the 40s, 50s and 60s, um, you know, it was what we've traditionally caught just because of the, the sheer volume on there. And then when you got into the 80s, actually stock started to deteriorate because of overfishing, if we we're honest about it. And then that that fell away. But it was a bit of a success story, really, in, in the early 2000s because of the action that was taken. And, and you know, the Mar family and their boats were were very much in, into sustainability and, and the long-term management of the fishery and, and making sure that, you know, perpetual yields, that's what sustainability is. So catching just about, just enough to make sure that they breed more to keep the stock growing over time and and you know cod in in 2000 really was a success story on that front to the point that it actually managed to gain msc approval which was uh now, now so what's msc let's tell them what people what msc is yeah so that's uh, the marine stewardship council it's an accreditation based on sustainability um probably one of the better systems out there in that it really looks at the economical the environmental impacts as well as a stock impact and they they take all of that into consideration it's quite a hard thing to gain and there's not many fisheries in the uk that that actually have that um but uh we've we've worked really hard with the msc to to try and gain our accreditation and and cod did manage to get that unfortunately over the last few years it has dropped off but that's not to do with the fishing side of things but actually some environmental impacts like the the impact of of the mixed fishery hake become a more predominant species in north in the north sea um, and those sorts of things have, have helped mean that it's it's lost that accreditation but there's some fabulous work going on um as much as the vessels in the in the in the north sea actually are all fitted now well many of the uh, the mar vessels are, are fitted with the cctv cameras so that uh, we can see that there's no discards going on in the north sea and that that all the boat all the fish that are caught and landed onto the vessels are actually taken into the hull of the boat processed and then landed on on land and uh you know the authorities can keep a continuous eye on that to make sure that there's no discarding going on in the north sea at this time so cod you know they can get big um you know i've seen cod sort of four or five feet long i mean they're huge fish they're they're the the oils which keep the fish kind of moving through the cold water they store it in their liver they've got these big eyes obviously for hunting and so you pull a big cod out of the sea and you can make quite a bit of money off it right so it's a a big fish it's delicious fish what's your favorite fish i like cod but i think there's alternatives to it um from a fish and chip perspective you know i'm a haddock man which is is unusual for a southerner because uh, generally it's it's cod in the south and haddocks in the north, but uh, I, I think there's a little bit more flavour to it. But I think you know, for me, really underutilised is is coli. Has a uh, a reputation as catfish, um, sorry, cat food, mm-hmm. cat food. When uh, you know when I was younger and and and, and as you were, but uh, nowadays for me it offers a real alternative and something that we should be looking at. You know, in terms of from a cooking perspective, and I'm no chef, we we look at Asian flavours, and for me, coli really does take on real flavours. And 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 from a cooking perspective, you know, you can get some really good flavour through through coli. So we're, you're pulling both cod, had a coli, pollock, 
all of these types of fish, they look quite similar, don't they? They're not that dissimilar in look. No, that's right. I mean, generally, to be honest, we, we call them white fish. Um, and the biggest biggest difference between all of these things, really, is the, the size of the flake. So when you cook a, a piece of fish um, it, and you run a fork through the middle of it, you can see the size of the muscle blocks, which, which are the, the flakes. Cod has a lovely big fat flake so when you cut through that it tends to flake off into large chunks whereas something like a pollock they have very small muscle block so doesn't necessarily flake in the same way um, and is a firmer flavour than what cod would be. Yeah I remember a fish, I was a fishmonger uh, as part of my apprentice to become a chef and uh, you know with cod and haddock I mean we are talking 30 years ago now cod and haddock were what was on, on the fishmonger's table pollock and coley were for the cats the, uh, the old ladies walking and said we've got a bit of fish in my you know for my little you know my little kitten and and, and that, that was it and and so as a chef to see pollock and coley and megram and different fish that are delicious and coming out of british waters chefs just didn't know what to do with them and so it's important that, that chefs and the general public start to make a demand on this product coming out of the sea on companies like Marfish and say, okay, we're ready to take it now, but we need a little bit more education on how to cook it. So it's about really education, isn't it? Yeah, 100%, 100%. I think, uh, you know, it's a sad indict, really, that we're a, a, a nation surrounded by waters, but yet 70% of what we eat we import into the UK and 70% of what we catch from our own waters we actually export out of the UK. And that is something, you know with the, the ever-encroaching Brexit coming, and, and that's its own subject in itself, it, it's something that really, as a nation, we've got to start to embrace what we catch around our, our local waters, make the most of it from a sustainable, from a, uh, an environmental, and, and cutting down on the carbon footprint. We really should be embracing what we catch and, and, uh, and, and serving them up on our, on our plate. Well, it's interesting, Ben. Can we talk about so? So, Peterhead is on the northeast coast of Scotland, yeah. and so you say you've got forty vessels going out from there. Uh, just, just sixty, to be honest with you, through the Mar family alone. Um, and there's other other families up there that that also have have their own vessels. So it's a it's a big fleet. They catch between ten and fifteen ton a day of fish landed into Peterhead. And as I say, 70% of that gets put on a lorry at the moment and goes straight into, into Europe. And uh, that will be coming into the UK market if things carry on the way they are. So 60 boats, just from the Marfish alone. Uh, so let's say there's 80 boats leaving Peterhead every day or every other day, or they're coming back and forward and they're landing on, these, on the dock. Where are they heading to? I mean, I know that if you look at the, ge- the geographics of it, you've got Iceland up to the left, Norway up to the right. How, how much, not ground are they covering, how much sea are they covering? Yeah, to, to be honest, you know, we have our own waters which, which extend 200 miles out from, from our coastline. But if you were to head north-east towards Norway, um, I think you'd run out of our own water and we end up sharing that space with Norway. So many of these boats will, will go across to the Norwegian waters and, and they are particularly deep there, particularly rocky. Um, and, and in those areas, they're, they're good fishing areas for hake, which is has grown massively as a market in the UK in the last, probably in the last five years, to be honest with you. And then they'll go as far north as the the Shetland Isles and then over to the west towards a place called Rockall, which is, uh, I believe, something like 
400 feet deep or something like that. It's extremely deep water over that way, 400 metres. But, uh, yeah, they'll go as far across as Rockall um, and fish from there. And they're particularly good fishery waters for, for haddock. Um, and some of the, the best haddock I've eaten come from, from the area around Rockall. Well, you have to make a very specific request from any fisherman out there say, I, I, I only want Rockall haddock. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, it, when... I, I in the last in the last ten years that I've worked with the Mar family, I've got closer to these fishermen, and and you start to appreciate one what they do, and two, how they look after the product. And you know there are certain boats that that land up there, the budding rose, the the guiding star, the guiding light, um, the boy John that land into Peterhead, and and when they land. To be honest, as a business, we get excited and and we probably buy more than we need to buy because you just know what you're going to get is going to be better than than anything else you see anywhere else. And it it really is a skill that they have and and something that I now appreciate a lot more having worked with them. And, uh, you know, they really can look after a piece of fish. So we're we're going north out of Peterhead. We're going as far west around, just under Iceland, not not as far up in the Shetland Isles. Then you go into the right, uh, to northeast, which is Norway. So there's, it's a huge area of sea, it's the, the North Sea, which is um, notoriously cold and dangerous, isn't it? I mean, why is it so dangerous? I mean, there's a lot of different types of winds up there, isn't it? It's a very dangerous place. Yeah, I mean, these these guys, uh, they will go out to sea and, and, you know, I've got pictures in my office of them fishing a Force 10, uh, Force 10, Force 10 and, and, you know, as I said before about some of these boats that work together, you know, they're, they're bobbing up and down on, on waves that can be as much as, as 50 metres high um, and one boat's up and one boat's down and, and I've got pictures of, literally of the, the vessels where all you can see is the, one second the tip of of one boat, the aerials as you such for the communication um, and then the next second it's it's 30 foot above the, the boat that's taking the picture. It it's really is just, you know, some really, really dangerous weather out there because it, it travels across the, the Atlantic Ocean from America. As we know, you know, we see these reports of, you know, hurricanes happening on the on the east coast of America and then affecting our own weather systems. And and these boats are out in it. They don't they don't go, oh it's gonna get a bit cold and a bit wet and a bit windy. We we they need to go out to to make a living and, and survive. So they, they do. So do you think that we should respect fish more? Um, fish is obviously something that we see on supermarket shelves and, and in our fishmongers and in our fish and chip shops, but we have no idea where it really comes from, do we? Not at all. And, and when you think about proteins, so that's your meat, it's the only wild protein that you buy on a supermarket shelf week in, week out, 52 weeks of the year. And they, as I said right at the start, they deserve every penny for it. I think we we should embrace what they do, and uh, and we should see more variety on a supermarket menu. Yeah, well, I mean, it's really up to to, to chefs in in some way to be able to promote and talk about the British Isles seafood, uh, what's coming up off the rocky shelves, the deep plateaus that sit there underneath the underneath the water. Some of it sandy, some of it rocky, some of it seaweedy. Uh, following the mackerel shoals that, that run around the, the, the country you've got herring um, sardines anchovies but those are quite romantic fish aren't they anchovies we don't really touch them in England or Britain we don't really touch the, the, the cuttlefish we're not really taking any of the crayfish I mean we, we're sort of only really eating a few fish here and then sort of 
all the fishermen and the fishing companies are selling it off to Europe. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, you know, as a, as a business, you know, my business turns over £11 million a year, but 25% of that business is is salmon. And, and that will be even higher percentage when we look at supermarkets. As a nation, our taste buds are conditioned to such a small selection of products when we have such a, a wide variety available to us. And, and unfortunately, as a country, we don't respect that and we don't look after what we've got. So therefore, it actually has, it's more desirable to a European market. And that's why a lot of these fish that are caught are put straight onto lorries, they're put into Spain and, and they go for big money over in Spain. And, and the fishermen don't necessarily earn what they could earn if we had a greater appreciation of what's available on our own shoreline. So it sounds like we're very good at getting the fish. We can land it fresh and, and really good quality. We can move it fast but only leave behind the cods and haddocks and, you know, a bit of John Dory and maybe some monkfish and a couple of chefs have been a bit, you know, daring and put red mullet on. You have to excuse me, I'm not I'm being a bit undramatic here, but I, I think it's important that, um, you know, some of the best stuff is just leaving, isn't it? 100%. And, and to be honest, it, it's, about, it's about seeing different things on menus that replace common products so things like lemon soles we have lemon soles on menus for 52 weeks a year well actually they're not in their best condition for 52 weeks of the year so when they're not be that the middle of december through to the end of february when they go spawning they go deeper and they actually take on water so from a flavor perspective they don't have as much flavor that's when we should be putting things like megrims on when we should be looking at some of these products that are just a, uh, essentially the same product, but just slightly different. And again, you know, we should see those on the menu. So you've, you've mentioned megrim there. Uh, megrim is, is a flatfish, isn't it? So we know lemon sole and we know place, they're flatfish. Uh, but then when someone says megrim, everyone goes, what's that? So just tell me a bit about Megram. So Food FM can kind of say, well, actually, you know, we're talking about fish. We've talked about cod. We've talked about haddock. We've talked about we can catch it. We know we've got hundreds of tons of fish coming in onto, onto port every week. And yet well, half of it we don't even know. So what's a Megram? So a Megram is a flatfish. Um, they have a much bigger scowl than most other flatfish. Um, so we will generally send those as a, a, a filleted and skinned product or, or sold on the bone, but again, skinned. Um, but they are they do have a bigger muscle block. So they, are, they tend to be a firm species. They tend to have a, a bigger uh, flake. Um, probably not as easy to roll the product because of that method, but they work. A, a particular group that we work with in in London, um, they they've actually put them on as a fish and chip item now, um, and they they really do work well for that sort of thing. So, and so, I mean, I've tasted megrim and it's a it's a fabulous fish. So, Ben, your job really is to try and and sell to the Brits the fish that us Brits catch. You know, but is it a difficult job? Uh, to be honest, it is all about education, and I suppose from from our perspective, um, it's trying to educate chefs, 
chefs then have that hard job of, of trying to educate their customer base and and it's it's about us all working together really you know we've done a lot of work over the last 10 years with with front of house teams as much as anything in restaurants because we go and we spend time and we talk about the different species that we we sell and that their chef's going to put onto a menu but then we talk about the sustainability of that and we build a story and i think that's the most amazing thing about fish is that it's a story um, and you don't have that when when you think about a cow it's growing in a field it's eating grass and that's about it as far as I'm concerned when you talk about fish we can talk about fishermen we can talk about the weather we can talk about seasonality we can talk about the romantic side of where that product comes from and it just adds to a chef's menu in my opinion and, and the more people we can talk to the more people we can get in front of and, and share that story and, and share our own passion because it is a real passion that we have for, for our product and the more people that we can we can share that with um, I think you know we'll, we'll see people try new stuff. So where does the responsibility lie Ben? Does it, does it lie with the general public? Does it lie with the chefs? Does it lie with the supermarkets? Where's the responsibility? Because if we're pulling this fish out of the sea and if you pull up a net it's not you know under the water you can't say right well i'll take all the cod and i don't want any of the red mullet or the megram i don't want today so i'll only take the bass and the and the dory that's impossible you're pulling fish up all the time so you should have to use the fish that you bring up because you're not throwing any of it away so where does the responsibility lie for the, all of this catch to be consumed in britain uh, t- to be honest I-, I think everybody plays a part so firstly the the fishing sector itself doesn't really do enough to promote itself uh, we have an industry body called Seafish who are doing their best um, but but more can be done you know I look at, at, uh, at Red Tractor for example you know uh, from a meat perspective you see adverts on the on the TV for it how often do you see adverts on the TV talking about fish and, and the, the things that are available to the the consumer not enough for my my liking you know the government are out there at the moment with big arguments over brexit of which fisheries are playing a massive part but again there's no national campaign to to push that fish through the uk and i think more can be done there um and then you know from our perspective and chef's perspectives we we should be talking more and we should be more varied you know we should we should push back instead of saying we're just going to put cod and haddocks on a menu for our fish and chip options actually push back and say well you know this week we've got coley on the menu and we've got it on the menu because these are the reasons behind it um and and we need to see more of that otherwise we're just unless anyone stands up and pushes back we're just going to keep going down the same route and and the sad thing is we'll, we'll be importing cheaper cheaper products from abroad when uh, when we don't need to because it's, it's on our doorstep so we've got huge amounts of delicious fresh fish from deep dark cold waters all around the british isles and yet we're importing 70 percent of the fish that we eat and we're exporting 70 percent of the fish that we catch so it does seem a little bit topsy-turvy and i also know having been and visited quite a lot of different parts of the world and cooked food all around the world that british fish is hugely respected there's a lot of respect for our, our fishing fleets so there's a responsibility that lies with chefs with supermarkets with fishmongers and with the fishing industry to really lift this up and start telling these stories definitely 100 percent. you know um the chinese are very much into what they call clean protein and they do look at uk fish as 
being a, a bit of a leader on that front and uh, that market that export market to to China is growing and growing and I think it would be a massive shame that with everything that's going on at the moment from a from an economic perspective if we don't maximize on this opportunity that we have to see sales of, of UK seafood growing within a UK British market I think we really have missed a trick well, I know for a fact that John Dory is delicious. That red mullet is probably, that's my joker in the pack. You know, put red mullet on the menu is fabulous. Megram, Dover Sole, Cod, Haddock, Pollock, Coley. You know, we have got, you know, just let's say 50 top fish that come out of the sea around the British Isles. Ben, I want to get a bit personal yeah. because I know that, that you came out of university into fish. Why did you go into fish? And you've now been in it, I mean, it doesn't look like that long, but you've probably been in it a long time. You know, tell me a little bit about your story about fish. Why fish? Why do you love it? And, and what's your passion for it? Yeah, to, to be honest, you know, when we talked earlier about the story and the romanticism of it, really, that, that is where my career come from. And, and that, you know, as a child going fishing with my family and, and friends, um, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do for a career, but loved fish. So uh, went and did a degree in fisheries studies. Um, when you talk about you know your favourite fish, again, romantic story for me was being at university in in Plymouth uh, and going out on a local bay with with a few friends, and and we did seine netting. So we went out in a small rowing boat dropped a, a net out the back of the boat and then as a team of us we hauled this small net back in up the beach um, and uh, and we caught grey mullet I'd never eaten grey mullet I'd never caught a grey mullet so uh, I took grey mullet home that night no idea what to do with it but made a hash job of filleting it off and just flour and, and uh, into a pan and, and for me grey mullet will always be my most favourite fish um, just purely because of, of what that brings back and what it means to me so uh, so I left university I wanted to make the most of my degree and, and by chance I fell into the job that I have today and, and to be honest over a period of what is now 25 years my love for fish has grown and my love for food has grown and, and really you know bringing those two things together just means that I wake up every morning and I'm glad to go to work and and that for me is is success as far as I'm concerned. So you come out of university and, and uh, you've seen the fisheries change a bit, or, or have they gotten better? Have they gotten worse? You know, what what do you what do you think right now personally of the of the fishing industry in the UK? I, I go back to my point about we don't shout enough as an industry of all of the things we do. So. You know, sustainability is massive, absolutely massive. And, and the fishermen really do take a sustainable approach to what they do. So just as, as small examples, I talked about the CCTV scheme that's on the boats um, and making sure that there's no discarding taking back. A thing called the Orkney trawl that they use. So haddock and cod have a different... Uh, when you're chasing it with a net... Haddocks swim up to try and escape the net and cod try and swim down. By putting larger panels into the net, either in the roof or the bottom of the net, it enables them to be more selective in the mixed fishery. So if they're targeting cod, they can they can go out and actually fish for the cod and, and haddocks will survive. Mesh sizes have increased massively in the last 25 years, um, which means that more juvenile fish escape and, and that's why we've seen stocks grow. 
and then actually the proactive approach that they take. So when they're out fishing, if they come across an area whereby they catch juvenile fish, they actually radio that in and they close off whole sections of the ocean so that boats are not allowed to fish in that area and using gps they're able to tell when a boat's trawling and when a boat's just steaming through an area and and if those boats trawl in an area that's been closed then they're massively fined and 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 badly thought of to be honest with you and your reputation's everything in this industry so you know they do some wonderful wonderful things for sustainability but they just don't shout enough about it and i think you know again it adds to the story about why we we should eat more fish and and why we should respect these guys for doing the job that they do so there's a responsibility and there's a respectability you know it sounds like each boat will have a crew that crew will know each other really well and each boat will know each boat uh, they'll look out for each other out in the sea um, everyone keeps an eye on each other and and like you say if someone's stepping out of line um, they're either disrespected, or you know they're not doing a good job out there, and you know we should be really reporting them, um, or they're supported and shown a, shown a better way to do it. Um, so the fishing industry has, has developed; it's become healthier. Um, our fishing stocks, our fish stocks, have um, improved. We, we we fished the cod out pretty hardcore, yeah, didn't we? You know, yeah. I know that we fished the, the sea bass out on, in, in the south coast, sea bass around the wrecks and everything. They were just taken out because all the celebrity chefs were talking about sea bass. And I was talking to these Cornish fishermen. They say, oh, celebrity chefs, they talk about pulling out those sea bass. They wrecked it for us. Because every then, uh, fishermen went out to get bass because they could get a better price for it. Mm-hmm. So celebrity chefs um, have a responsibility too, don't they? To, to sort of, perhaps they should be talking about Megram or Pollock and Coley. Um, would you say so? Yeah, 100%. And, and you know, I, I always recall uh, Pollock off the south coast was a was a prime example of an impact that celebrity chefs can place because it's a it's a decent fishery the scottish fishery is bigger but the south coast pollock fishery in the space of one week there were three celebrity chefs all had a program individually where they mentioned south coast fish um, and pollock in particular and you literally now commercially cannot buy Pollock from the South Coast because it has to be landed into those celebrity chefs' restaurants because they have to have it on their market, their, their, their menu, because of those particular programs. And, and I think, you know, if we can share the love across different species over this, this celebrity background, I think we really will see more people uptake in terms of their consumption of a product and, and that they play a massive part and, and I'd like to see more of it. Ben English and Marfish, uh, we appreciate your interview with Food FM. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Arthur's Table on Food FM with your host, Arthur Potts Dawson.